ACG Media presents High Tech Sunday. On today's episode of High Tech Sunday, our hosts, Dr. Mark Vaughn and Lango Dean, sit down with Principal Wireless Translations Engineer for AT&T and 2022 Baya STEM Conference, Dr. James W. Mitchell Legacy Awardee, Usang Ekbe, for a conversation on advancing communication. Up first, is Corning Incorporated's Manager of Technical Talent Pipelining, Dr. Mark Vaughn. Next is Career Communication Group's Senior Technology Editor, Lango Dean. Finally, our esteemed guest, Usang Ekbe. Currently serving as a Tier 2 3rd Technical Expert and Trainer for Mobility Provisioning Engineers responsible for Nokia hardware and software, Ekbe's role includes working on emerging technologies in conjunction with AT&T Labs, third-party vendors, and multiple internal teams to design and test new technology concepts. Usang is not only an excellent member of AT&T, but to his community as well, by volunteering his skills and tutoring at-risk youth. And without further delay, High Tech Sunday, featuring Dr. Mark Vaughn and Lango Dean. Well, thank you so much, Brandon, and good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of High Tech Sunday. It is great to be back with you, and it is also exciting to have today's special guest, Usang Ekpe. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm doing okay. Good afternoon. Great. We are really looking forward to having another all-important conversation uh, for the next 50 minutes or so. When we are thinking about the significance of communications, it's certainly not lost on any of us that, especially over the course of the last, what, two years just about now, we have really had to uh, learn how to be more communicative in a lot of different ways. And so thinking about the work that you are involved with on this topic really is timely for sure. And it is one that we are going to just have a great time gleaning from. What we like to do to get started though, is learn more about who you are, what's your personal background. And so uh, let's imagine that we have the proverbial elevator speech that we are going to get to know you from as you are engaging us on the ride up. And then we'll see how the ride down goes as well. So can you just say a little bit about yourself, Usang? How did you get involved with a career in communications? What attracted you to this industry? Uh, growing up as a young man back in my village in Nigeria, I was kind of curious about almost everything that I come across. And uh, one of uh, such things was, you know, the television, right? I was very curious as, as how, you know, images are being transferred from one location to my TV set at home. Uh, now, the TV set I got to get to watch when I traveled from my village to uh, to the city. In my village, there was no light. Uh, there was no, uh, uh, you know, tap water. Uh, but when I had the opportunity, after I lost my uh, my mom, my aunt took me to the to the city. And as we were driving, you know, we were in the bus going to the city. We passed a couple of cities that. Uh, had electricity, and I was wondering how uh, how are these uh, you know uh, bulbs being are uh, they powered? I mean, where did they get their power from? Their light from? Uh, and eventually, when we got to the city, and I was you know traveling from the eastern part of Nigeria to the west, uh, Lagos to be precise, uh, was then the capital of Nigeria. Where when we got there, and uh, the the first uh, box TV box I saw. And I saw the images there. I was, you know, um, I was downfolded that hey, how is this? How is this happening? You know, and since uh, since that time, uh, you know, it was right from that time, I knew that I wanted to know what is going on, 
with these images and with these box and with this, you know, eventually I got to know that this is, you know, what I was looking at was electricity and electrons and all that stuff. So I, I wanted to, you know, get into that field to understand it. Um, when I got to, you know, high school, um, I was able to kind of differentiate the various aspects of, you know, uh, electrical and electronic engineering. Basically, you know, we have electricity that produces the power that you use. The same electrons, you know, also enable you to communicate, you know, build gadgets that enables you to communicate, send, you know, voice messages over long distances, as well as, you know, images, which is, uh, in this case, you know, videos and all of that stuff. So telecommunication was kind of interesting to me in that respect. The fact that we can be able to send images, talk over distances without anything obstructing uh, messages. Wow, that is really uh, a great story. And and I was uh, kind of stopped in my track, so to speak, when you said you began that differentiation in high school. I don't know if I paid attention to that until well into college, but uh, it really is kind of cool to hear you speak about uh, how that evolution for you came about. And so uh, now fast forward really quickly to right now. Um, you have this long-standing, well-established interest in all things communication, but what is it that energizes you all these years later? What is it that really causes you to be excited and motivated about taking on each new day? Uh, that is a very good question. Like I said, in, in high school, all right, um, during our career day, I think that's what we, we call it at the time, we had some uh, professionals you know, coming to our school to talk to us about careers, uh, you know, in the uh, in the workplace, right? Uh, one of the man, one of the men that came uh, came to the career day was uh, he was a telecoms engineer. With he, he was uh, a general manager with uh, the only analog telecommunication company in Nigeria at the time. And you know, when he started talking to us about what he does on a daily basis, you know, putting in uh, analog mechanical analog switches to enable people to communicate with each other over long distances that grabbed my attention. Uh, initially, I had wanted to be uh, a petroleum engineer, but when he, he talked to, after talking to Russ, you know, again, based on the fact that I was already curious about, you know, how images get transferred to a TV set, uh, you know, he, that, he grabbed my attention. Now, to the present, I, I wake up every day because, and one of the reasons why I didn't really follow my my interest in petroleum engineering was, uh, even at that, at that very young age, I was able to understand that there are certain engineering fields that are kind of not really static, but they are not as dynamic as electrical and electronics engineering. I have kind of looked at it that in, in electrical and electronics engineering, there are always new things being developed within a year, two years, something new will come up. And even if it is not new, there is an improvement in what was or is already existing. So that grabbed my interest because I love to do different things at different times. Uh, I, I, I don't like to repeat the same thing over and over again. And so when this man talked to us about telecommunication and you know how yeah, initially, Nigeria didn't have a means of communicating, and then you know they had to bring in people from Germany to install these uh, mechanical switches. And now they were moving to uh, you know digital electronics, yeah, you know switches. I was kind of uh, you know captivated by his explanation. So I I I, I wake up every day to go to AT and T with the you know with the mindset of I'm going there to do something different for that particular day, something new. And probably that's why I find myself in, uh, in operations, uh, because in operations, you always see problems that, you know, you have to prefer a di different set of uh, solutions to. So that is what gets me going. And that is really, uh, I think, inspirational to hear how it is that one of the things that you still are able to enjoy is, uh, my words, but what I heard you saying was that not every day is the same. Every day is something different. And thanks for the, the shout out to career days. We certainly have had to think about them differently 
throughout this pandemic, but they continue to be opportunities to plant seeds and to uh, really help young people uh, explore uh, potential careers. And I know that uh, in the third segment of our conversation uh, with Lango Dean, uh, you'll probably explore that some more. So I want to ask you this, when we think about those things that we become passionate about in our lives, often it's the case that we can uh, look to that being part of how we were wired, if you will, how God made us um, in a sense. And so since this is High Tech Sunday, can you talk to us a little bit about how you have been influenced spiritually along your journey? I believe that we are all created for a purpose, right? Uh, I believe that wherever we find ourselves and wherever we come in contact with, there is a reason for, you know, uh, that contact, right? And wherever we find ourselves, whether at the job place or at a play place, you know, wherever, wherever we come in contact with, there is a reason. And what we do, uh, I'll, I'll use what I do currently uh, for AT&T, what I do, I believe there is a sense, it gives me a sense of fulfillment because I feel that I am impacting the lives of people, right? I, I, I build systems uh, that help people achieve a lot of their daily uh, needs, uh, you know, one of which is communicating with loved ones. So that is a motivation on its, by itself for me. And like I said earlier on, there is a purpose and a reason for wherever we find ourselves. Previously, I was, you know, a few years ago, I was back in Nigeria. I had never had the intention. I, let me use the word, dreamt of coming to the United States. But, you know, in the process of working with the company I'd worked with in, in, in Nigeria, MTN to be precise, I, I had the opportunity of meet, meeting a you know, certain group of people that introduced me to what is what they call the diversity, U.S. diversity visa lottery. Now, these are people that naturally, if I wasn't working for that company, I wouldn't have been able to meet. So in my view, God made it possible for me to meet those people. God made it possible for me you know, to be with them at the time they were discussing about this U.S. visa lottery. And uh, it, God made it possible for me to... Uh, have the means to apply because again, it is at the time when I apply for this, it is difficult. Only the where to do had access to you know computers, uh, but uh, based on the fact that I was working with a telecommunication company, then I was able to have access to a computer that I used to apply for the U.S. Uh, visa lottery. And as God will you know have it, uh, I won. Right, I was given the uh, the invitation to come over to the U.S. So to me. Every of that step, every of that process, I, I believe that was preordained because, like I said, I had never dreamt of coming to the United States, you know. And here I am I, I today in AT&T uh, doing what I love to do, you know, and uh, contributing to society. I think that's uh, just a really great testimony. And so oftentimes, uh, you know, when we look back and reflect upon how it is that we were able to get to where we are, uh, sometimes it, it really can uh, re-energize us to think about how it is that kind of uh, the choreography of our lives allowed us to have the encounters that we have that seem to be completely serendipitous sometimes, but we really get a sense that this was part of the plan uh, that uh, God had for us. And so yes. really enjoyed yes. hearing you speak about that. Uh, so speaking about uh, some, some other ways that uh, your journey has gone, I have to reflect upon what we heard in part during the introduction. You are a 2022 Black Engineer of the Year Award Legacy Awardee. That is so exciting. And uh, we, we add our congratulations, uh, and we sure are looking forward to uh, the upcoming uh, activities around uh, the 2022 uh, conference uh, that is going to just introduce you and so many others to the world. So talk to us about how you 
found out about getting the award and, and how you felt when you got the news? Well, I, I will begin from um, when I was nominated, right, by my uh, director. I, I report to an era manager, you know, that reports to a director. Uh, and so when I was told by my era manager that my director, who I happened to kind of work directly with briefly on our trip to Czech Republic to train the international, to train our company's international employees, um, I was, you know, excited um, because I felt that, you know, I must have done something really good for her to have, you know, gone out to nominate me for this award. I, I never knew there was an award called Black Engineer of the Year Award. I didn't know until, you know, my era manager told me, yeah, the director nominated you. So after the nomination and uh, we, we filed the, we, we, we submitted the application and all of that stuff. Uh, again, I was a, a bit anxious. I don't know if I was going to win or not. Uh, but then, you know, on October 26th, 2021, uh, I was informed by the same era manager, my era manager, that uh, Usang, you you won the uh, DAE award and you were given you are given the Dr. James Mitchell Legacy Award, and immediately, <laughs> you know, out of excitement, you know, I went ahead to research what the Dr. <laughs> James Mitchell Legacy Award, and only for me to find out that. Uh, this is, you know, someone that has, was a pioneer in his field, basically. And he has worked with AT&T in the past. And uh, it happens to be that uh, his, uh, his uh, how, do I, how do I put it, his quote, what, you know, kind of motivates him I, was something similar to what I used to have in my college days. And that was, you know, when the going gets tough, only the tough get going, you know. So I was really excited about that. And I, I feel that, you know, uh, the, the company and uh, the company have gone ahead to recognize hard work. Um, I, it made me feel that, you know, whatever it is that I have been doing for AT&T has not been in vain and that somebody was watching and seeing, you know, the great things. And I, I think that by me being nominated for this award also made uh, my colleagues that were also, you know, in my team and any, anyone in my organization to see that, you know, uh, if when you are self-developing, you know, you should also help others self-develop because I believe one of the reasons why uh, my director, and, and, and I'm saying one of the reasons, because I believe there are other, many more other reasons, was that at the time when AT&T, you know, brought in international employees, uh, you know, it was a time when um, everyone was against outsourcing, right? But I didn't look at it as, as if my job was going to be outsourced. Rather, I felt that it was an opportunity for me to transfer what I knew to a group of college students outside of the country. And that was exactly what I did. And I believe uh, it was, you know, my director saying that, that was what, you know, kind of encouraged her to say, hey, this guy uh, does not have any selfish <laughs> bones in him. And so uh, I believe that was why she nominated me. And I'm really excited and, you know, honored to be uh, nominated and uh, awarded the, this award. And when you think about it, as you learned in your uh, own investigation, there's this, this connection uh, that you share uh, with James Mitchell. And, and, and so thinking about this big deal, it's a big deal, and, yes. and it's a, a legacy award. And so tell us about what legacy means to you and, and what do you think is the legacy that you're creating? I mean... Uh, legacy, you know, but by just by looking at the definition of the word is what you give as an individual to society or your community, right? Uh, and to me, uh, being in AT&T and being the organization I am, uh, I was in or I am in right now, um, is to give what I know to the people around me. Like, for example, we 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 do have new engineers coming regularly and uh, there is that tendency for certain senior engineers in the team 
not to want to transfer their knowledge because it, people are afraid, oh, this person is coming in to take my job and, you know, that kind of thing. But if you put that aside and begin to train, pour into those that are coming behind you, you, you know, you are transferring the knowledge to them, uh, knowing fully well that you are not, you know, as an individual, we all know that, you know, there, is certain, there will be a certain time when we have to leave whether we, we leave the earth or we leave the position we are in. There is somebody there that we take over, you know, from you. And so that is the kind of, you know, legacy I want to leave behind. Like, you know, if I leave a place, that place should not crumble because I'm not there, but rather it should grow. And the only way it will grow is when you transfer what you know, you know, into uh, the individual that you are leaving behind. So that is my legacy. You know, I, I like to, help uh, wherever I am, uh, wherever I know, I point to the next person that you know, I'm working with to let them move ahead as well. I think that that is really great. And it's, it's so important not to lose sight of that. Uh, and as you say, if you are a legacy builder, then uh, what you do will survive beyond you. Exactly. Uh, and, continue, and continue to evolve. So let's talk about your industry for a little bit. Uh, so you're a principal translations engineer, and we're talking about communications. And so it may seem like it's a, a really rudimentary question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Why do you think the communication industry is so important to us in our present day and to our future? Hmm. If you look at it, you know, over the years, from time immemorial, humans have always wanted to communicate, right? And so we've always tried to uh, interact with each other. Actually, everything that we do involves communication, basically. And so we, inter we try to interact with each other over the years, over centuries. Uh, people have tried to, uh, you know, talk to each other over long distances, which at the time was not possible. But now that challenge has been overcome, right? Uh, you have the ability to now, you know, instantly uh, chat with somebody or, you know, out all the way in Australia from the United States. You have the opportunity to send them whatever message you want to send uh, and say whatever you want to say to them, right? So it is very important. And if you look at it, with the, with the current trend of things, now we are able to, let's say in the past, you carry, uh, you know, big textbooks around, right? Telecommunication and IT have, have come together to make, you know, the need for you to carry book, uh, you know, textbooks around, you know, a, a cake, right? All you need will be, your, will currently will be your cell phone and you have all the textbook, all the knowledge, all the information you need on it. So communication is very uh, important and vital to us uh, because it helps us, you know, uh, be our best selves and also helps us to, you know, reach uh, the things that we care about, the people that we care about easily. And so you said something there that uh, really made me think about the the uh, the generations and technology. Uh, I look at uh, little kids today, uh, three years old, four years old, and they are really at ease on uh, uh, communications devices, be it phones or tablets or or those kinds of things. Now they don't know how they work, uh, <laughs> but they absolutely are not afraid of them uh, yes. like some people seemed to be when they were first introduced. And so uh, when, you, when you look at the evolution of technology, I'm old enough to remember rotary phones uh, and then uh, you know, dial up and, and, and how it is that, that we have um, evolved with respect to uh, communications technology. Uh, but talk to us a little bit about things like um, what's all in the news of late, 5G and, and fiber networks and, 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 and how those evolutions are having an impact on our culture. I would not be doing good justice if I just start by just listing out the various generations of telecommunication or cellular communication, as uh, as the case may be. 
uh, if I don't give honor to you know those who uh, deserve it, like for example, uh, Alexand Alexander Graham Bell, uh, we all know is the one that uh, invented the first phone, right, in 1876. Um, although this was titled to the war, right, you have to be connected to the war uh, for you to be able to make call. You, there was no capability for you to carry it around uh, without unplugging and plugging it back into, you know, uh, a space. Uh, mobile phones were not invented, or rather they were invented as uh, early as 1940, but they were not really mobile in the sense, in the real sense of it, because you cannot really move from one location to the other and still have the call connected, right? They were more like uh, walkie-talkies, right? Two-way communication, uh, whereby it, something similar to what, you know, uh, the firefighters or the police officers are currently using. And uh, the way they were set up then, you know, was that you have a very tall uh, base station, right, that, that radiates the signal that is needed for that communication to, you know, very large uh, coverage area. And if you have that uh, walkie-talkie, you'll be able to talk on it. But again, if you move away from that area, then you are not able to really make a call. Now, uh, the first cellular phone call was actually made by uh, Dr. Martin Cooper in 1973 uh, in New York, right? That was the first cellular. And now, why am I not using the word wireless, but decide to use the word cellular? And I'm using the word cellular because of the way the wireless mobile network, network is built. They are built in forms of cells to enable uh, the limited resources, which in this case is uh, frequency, to be reused over a, uh, you know, a larger area to provide that large coverage. Now, to, talking about the various generations of cellular network, we had the zero generation, which is the one I've just mentioned, where you have the walkie-talkie kind of situation. Uh, we then we have the uh, first G, uh, the one G, which is the first generation that enables you to just make bus calls, and it was analog. Now, analog would be like you know using mechanical switches, right? Um, and that was introduced in 1981, right? Now, from, we transitioned from there, engineers were able to create additional uh, capabilities on the existing network, uh, and then that brought in 2G, right? 2G supported voice with limited data. The, you can, I think if, if you guys remember in 1992, you can, you can count the number of texts you can send. Anything beyond that will not be sent. And then there was 2.5G, which was an enhancement on the 2G, an improvement on 2G that uh, brings, brought about a little higher data rate. I call it little compared to what we, we have currently. Now, then 3G was introduced, right? 3G was to enable voice and data. Now, the technology itself used two networks, basically two networks in one, one for voice and one for data. And that was costing you know, the providers a lot of money. Uh, although the speed was higher, you, we were able to do some form of video when 3G was available, right? And then eventually we had 4G, which is um, being phased out gradually now, right? We had 4G that enhanced the capability of 3G and then collapsed the two networks into one, which is IP. 3G was IP and uh, circuit switch, basically. But 4G was total, uh, you know, complete IP. There was no circuit switch. Um, I can go into details about that if the question arises, but uh, 4G, we were all dealing with IP. It was more like the internet, right? Because internet was based on IP. And then in 2018, I believe, they started introducing 5G, right? 5G provided higher data rates, more than what was available for 4G or 5G. And there are a lot of use cases that 5G intends to, uh, you know, intends to meet, which is going to enhance how we do things in future, now and in the future. So that is the, you know, the evolution of uh, the cellular industry or communication.
I really appreciate that tutorial. I was actually going to ask you um, if we could impose upon your expertise and 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 uh, have you uh, break down some of uh, both the the technology, if you will, but but also some of the myths surrounding some of this. So uh, to to kind of to close on that part of the conversation, you were talking about. 5G. Uh, yes. I think it was last week we were hearing about some of the uh, really big decisions that are, are being made around 5G and, and concerns about how it might be, you know, something that could interfere with communications uh, with airliners and things like that. So what, what are, what really are some of the myths surrounding 5G? And, and at the end of the day, what do you think are the top benefits for that coming into its own? Okay, well, I, I will start with the benefits uh, so that if you have anything against 5G, we fall in love after these benefits, as I mentioned them. You know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, 5G supports um, a wide range of spectrum. When I mean spectrum, spectrum is the resource that enables you to communicate over the air without any wires and all that, right? And um, it is like electromagnetic wave, right? And the providers, uh, companies like AT&T, Verizon, Sprint, we buy this resource from the FCC to use to provide, you know, this uh, wireless or cellular or mobile uh, service to their uh, subscribers. Now. The, the the range of frequencies 5G operates on happens to be in the millimeter wave, it basically one gigahertz all the way to I believe uh, 30. Um, it it can operate from one gigahertz to six gigahertz, which is using the existing spectrum for LTE, and also it can also uh, you know operate in the millimeter wave range, which is from 24 uh, all the way to maybe 30. I mean 300 gigahertz. So it is very high frequency and so people are afraid that at that frequency uh you know uh people that are not really aware uh, that there are two types of uh, you know oxidation they feel that when you propagate signals at that high frequency you are going to be generating ionized signal and those will be inter you know interfering with the health of uh, the users but that is not the case because like uh, i said there are two types of radiation. You have the ionization radiation and non-ionizing uh, radiation. Now, the spectrum that is used for 5G is non-ionizing. So it does not provide any negative uh, effects on the user, right? Now, 5G, it's supposed to give us speed at, at about you know, uh, 10 to 20 gigabit per second, which is way higher than what we currently have with uh, 4G, I mean 4G, right? And uh, we can program the um, the services for 5G uh, per per need. So, for example, you can uh, slice your network to provide service for specific purposes. Uh, a good example would be: I can slice my network to provide specific service to public safety. I can slide the, the same network. I can give a slide of my network to, you know, to healthcare. I can slide it to give a service to uh, an industry without any of these segments mixing with each other. All right. And with 5G, we also have very little latency, about one to two milliseconds, which is really, really fast, you know, almost real time. So, for example, if I take a picture right now, or I'm taking a video, that video will be you know transmitted to you the, the receiver at an instant that you know as as it is happening you know so those are the uh, some of the benefits of uh, 5g in addition to that 5g gives us the ability to to have a multitude of communication to be able to communicate with you know a lot of stuff and that is where internet of things come into play uh, 5g provide the necessary bandwidth for us to be able to do that it also provides the bandwidth you know and the speed for us to do virtual reality and augmented reality whereby you can take a picture of someone and impose it uh, over you know a chair as if the person is sitting right in front of you and the two of you are having a conversation even though that person is not there right so those are the benefits of 
of, of 5G. And uh, we, there are so, so much more use cases that can be considered as uh, you know, this uh, technology continues to be developed. Well, you were right. After after hearing the benefits, sign me up. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, it sounds really cool, and 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 so I mean, that's exciting the the work that you're doing. But it's also exciting to hear again, uh, hearkening back to the introduction, that that you're paying it forward. That your work is not just confined to uh, the walls of AT and T, but you are actually doing things that impact the community. So the few minutes that we have left in this segment. Can you just give us a quick snapshot about the work that you are doing and its impact on the community? So, for, for example, a very quick one. Um, uh, we know that there are sometimes we have the hurricane season and, uh, you know, there are all these natural uh, disasters uh, all over the place. Uh, one of the things that we do, which is a rapid uh, response, is to quickly you know, build networks that will provide communication to, you know, disaster areas. Um, so where if, if there's an hurricane somewhere and uh, they, it brought down the communication infrastructure, it is easy for us to easily, you know, pull in with a truck. We call it a cow, uh, sell on wheels or a coat or even uh, a, a, a flying drone to kind of configure it. Uh, I don't really go into the field. Uh, based on what I do, but I write the programs, I write the configuration that enables those equipment to, you know, come on air and uh, provide that those services. Uh, in addition to that, you know, through AT&T Believe, we we provide uh, community uh, engagement. Uh, uh, you know, we have community engagement opportunity where we go into the community to help out with, you know, either beautifying, you know, the community or. Uh, providing uh, food for the local food pantry and all those kind of things. Uh, personally, I feel that the work I do in AT&T has a great impact uh, in the lives of members of the community because communication, like I said earlier on, is very essential in our daily lives. Absolutely. And I, I, I think that all we would have to do is think about how our lives would be changed if we did not have the means by which we communicate uh, in the ways that we do. And so you are absolutely correct with that. Um, and so we're gonna turn our focus to the future and the workforce in our next segment. I'm gonna hand things over to Langle Dean to lead that conversation. Hey, Langle, how's it going? Very well, Dr. Vaughn. Nice to have you back. You're listening to High Tech Sunday, featuring Dr. Mark Vaughn, Lango Dean, and our special guest, Principal Wireless Translations Engineer for AT&T, and 2022 Bay STEM Conference, Dr. James W. Mitchell Legacy Awardee, Usang Ekpe. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the show, Mr. Ekpe. It is a pleasure to have you here today. As I listen to the conversation between you and Dr. Vaughn, um, at the way at the beginning you talked about how television was such an enig enigma for you. And um, Dr. Vaughn mentioned things like, you know, the various generations that we have now in technology and how, of course, uh, you know, young kids, two, three years old, sometimes even younger, don't really know how technology works, how their iPad works or the smartphone works, but they're not afraid to use it. Um, a couple of weeks ago, or it was last year, actually, uh, watching a movie, uh, I think it was a Space, space Jam, and um, these young people that I know were watching Space Jam across continents, and you referred to, you know, chatting with people in Australia, and they were actually, you know, doing doing this watching of this new movie across continents. You had people here, cousins here in, in the United States, and they were doing it with cousins in London and, and in Australia. And, and, and they, that's how they play their video games, right? Yes. With virtual reality and, and, and their Zoom meetings, which is also virtual reality. And they go out and they hold up their phones and they use Yelp. <laughs> and, and they get live feedback. So 
there's a lot of you watch them interact with AI and VR and 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 all these uh, new technologies, and you want to say there's so much you can do, but they're not really paying attention. All they're interested in is the entertainment side of it, and you know, getting that instant gratification from it. But they're not really interested in in the opportunities, the job opportunities that these things provide, like you were many years ago. So how do we get young people to get more interested in the in the in the career side of things, in the job side of things? How do we get young people to to be more interested in that? Um, I I think I, I will look at that uh, question in two twofold, two ways, right? One would be as as parents, right? In as much as we always encourage our children to do what, you know, what gives them joy, what makes them happy, we have to, in a way, introduce them to some of these things. And I will, I will give example in that respect in a minute. Uh, my, my son, right, during uh, when, he, when the pandemic hit, I, I got him a laptop, okay? Uh, the first time I, I configured the laptop for him and I was telling him to pay attention to what I was doing. Uh, and as you already know, he wasn't paying attention. So the, the laptop broke in the middle of the, you know, during when he was using it and he needed it for some papers. And then he brought it back to me that, hey, daddy, uh, could you help me fix this? So one thing I did was I told him, why don't you try and figure it out, figure out how to, you know, fix it. Uh, Daddy, I don't know how. I said, okay, you watch YouTube videos, don't you? Yes. I said, okay, go in there, right? Uh, Put in a search. How do you fix this problem? This is the problem I'm, and see if you see any suggestions. And behold, when he did that, he came back with the uh, the laptop working. How did you fix it? I, I, I Googled it. I said, okay, fine. Now, that is one way we can give them, help them have an interest in, you know, understanding how what they are using works, okay? Sometimes just explaining, you know, how something works to somebody. Like, like me, if you explain to me how something works, I'm, I, I have a very a high interest. I will become very interested in knowing how something that I use every day works, right? That is one way we, one way we can do this as parents. Another way is the educational system. We need to, at a very early age, encourage the kids to be inquisitive about their environment because, you know, being curious helps you. uh, Sometimes you you, you wonder how certain things work, right? So, for example, uh, you know, a teacher can ask students, hey, how do you think your TV works at home? How does it work? How do you? How does your the electricity in your home come to your home? You know, help them write out those those papers. Help them explain it, and in some cases, help them come up with better ways of doing. You know, whatever it is that we are currently doing. You know, that will spur their interest in those areas. That's wonderful. So, a couple of tips that I picked up: encourage them to find out how things work. Mm-hmm. Encourage them how to find out how to fix things. Yes. Encourage them to be curious, and um, I think the last one was encourage them to just help. I think. Could you repeat the, the improve last? Improve on improve on what is already working, right? It, like, exactly. You know, exactly. if this thing is working this way, you know, help them come up with. You know, encourage them to try to come up with solutions that can better the process. You know an improvement in whatever it is that, you know, is working currently. Because there's always something to improve. Wonderful. So help them improve things, not just be satisfied with things as they are, but help them see things as they could, you know, things could work a lot better. That's wonderful. Um, so if, if I am in high school right now, I have, I, I have nephews in high school right now, what academic areas can they focus on? Um, to help them find success in the future. And if those that are preparing for college, um, graduating high school, um, getting college ready, um, what should what areas should they be focused on? Uh, yeah, well, you see, the thing about America is that 
you know, even if you didn't get into a career at uh, college level or after you finish college, right, you can always get at it at any point in time in your life. That is one interesting thing about America. Now, growing up in Nigeria, what they encourage us to, and this is me going back to my career, my career day, <laughs> is that you got to focus on the sciences, right? Uh, basically, you got to be good in mathematics, you got to be good in physics, you got to be good in chemistry. Uh, for, for electrical engineering, physics and mathematics are very important. Chemistry, mm, it's supportive uh except if you are going for material science uh, then you can focus on chemistry but a, a little bit of chemistry is good and some form of biology because again you may you know in high school decide that okay i want to become an electrical engineer uh, because communication or telecommunication uh, specifically is uh, an area in electrical engineering now, you may decide to, you know, after college, after any your electrical engineering degree, you may decide to branch out to uh, a different, uh, uh, a different spe uh, specialization, right? But one thing I've realized is that communication has come to stay in every area of almost everything that we do. So if you are a biomedical engineer, you need communication because your equipment within your hospital are going to need the network to communicate with each other. If you have a prosthetic arm that needs signal from, you know, probably use the heat from your body to power the battery within, you know, uh, within that prosthetic arm to make it work, you need to learn some form of biology. So basically, I will advise high school students to focus on the sciences, all sciences to be precise, uh, mathematics, physics, chemistry, you know, uh, biology. You know, so those four subjects are key to you becoming, uh, uh, finding space in the, uh, is it STEM they call it, or STEM, STEM career, yeah. That's wonderful. So focus on the sciences, be good in math. Mm -hmm. uh, try to be good in math. Um, make sure you get that physics. Uh, a little bit of chemistry mixed in wouldn't be so mm -hmm. bad. And yes. some form of biology. And then yes. focus on the communication side of things because communication and the networks are involved in just about everything nowadays. Correct, correct. At AAT&T, uh, I know that uh, it, it's a huge company and they do lots of things within STEM in terms of encouraging uh, young people to get into STEM. Um, are there any programs that you're aware of that you can share with our young people today? Uh, yeah, I, I will share the two that I am involved with. You know, uh, I am involved with Aspire Men Mentoring Academy. Uh, and this is a program that we work through our employee resource group to reach out to students and, uh, you know, mentor them as well as help them with their understanding of the sciences. One of the ones I have done was to do a remote, you know, um, math tutoring with uh, one student out, out the way out there in California, which was very uh, interesting and rewarding for me because I, in as much as I was the one trying to impart knowledge to him, he also challenged me because I had to go back to my, to my uh, you know, high school trigonometrics <laughs> trigonometrics and review it again to be able to kind of teach him, you know. So that is one, uh, the Inspire Ment uh, Mentoring Academy. And then the other one is the Girls Who Code. And this is a program for, you know, uh, girls that are in uh, STEM uh, to, uh, you know, encourage them to be, uh, to be, to be motivated and uh, engaged in coding. Because if you really look at it, most of uh, the coders that we have uh, in the world these days is uh, all uh, male coders. So we are trying to encourage the, our girls to learn this, uh, this interesting uh, area in uh, science and in engineering. So those are the two that I'm involved in. But I know that there are other programs that you know, uh, AT&T uh, is uh, engaged in that helps uh, students um, in high school. That's wonderful. We're going to provide more of that information within your bio. Um, I particularly like the girls who code one because I am big on coding. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, 
there's the last question I was going to ask about giving yourself, uh, your younger self, uh, some advice before you started your career, what it would be and why. But I'm going to throw that to Dr. Vaughn in his segment, and um, he will take us out with that. Thank you so much, Mr. Ekbe. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome. Well, thanks again for uh, the really, really helpful information, especially about how we are able to engage young people uh, as we are thinking about seeding the workforce of the future. Uh, and so let, let's talk about, um, uh, as we start to wrap up, maybe uh, some lighter uh, conversation components. When you look over your career at AT&T, uh, for example, can you talk to us about some of the most cool projects that you have worked on or, or some of the things that are coming down the pike that we should really be getting excited about? I will talk briefly about uh, projects that I've worked on. Um, I, I don't think I have the, uh, the permission to talk about you know, projects that are, that are in the pipeline. So um, some of the projects that I've worked on uh, are, that I find really cool and interesting uh, um, are the 5G deployment, right? Uh, and the reason why <clears throat> that project was interesting to me and cool was that 5G came out with a lot of its uh, specification not, prop not clearly defined. And so uh, various companies were deploying theirs whichever way they want. Uh, but what AT&T came up to do was, you know, to engage the organization that has previously, you know, uh, helped with uh, setting standards and specifications for other cellular technologies. AT&T worked with them to develop, you know, uh, specification and standard that we help uh, ensure that we are, 5G was deployed properly, right? And the moment those, uh, standard and specification were set, we went into work to deploy 5G, uh, not the way our competitors were deploying, because they were focused on the millimeter wave only, but rather we, we said we are going to use our existing spectrum in the LTE space to deploy this technology. Uh, now, when, when, earlier on, I mentioned spectrum, right? And I said 5G was deployed in the millimeter wave. Millimeter wave does not travel very far right which means that if we were to go with you know just deploying millimeter wave uh we we will not be able to cover uh the continental usa as quickly as we did uh you know by deploying with the existing uh 850 megahertz frequency that we use now like i said there was no specification on, on how to do that we had to figure out as we go so that was really very interesting and uh, uh, the way we did it was, you know, using existing equipment that were being used for, which is really not, on, which was unheard of. We were using existing equipment that were deployed for LTE. We went back to the original equipment uh, providers to tell them, hey, you have to develop software that will enable us to, you know, deploy 5G on this and we gave them the specification on what they need to do. They did that, and then we were able to use that, those existing equipment to deploy 5G. We were the first, you know, AT&T was the first company to deploy nationwide 5G, right, in the, uh, you know, low band or low uh, spectrum, low frequency spectrum space. And uh, that was one of them. And the other one was when uh, COVID, you know, uh, began, everybody was going back, you know, everybody was working from home. So there was a lot of demand on the network, capacity-wise. Uh, and so what happened was that uh, through the FCC, AT&T, and I believe it was a Dish Network, you know, AT&T was able to get some of the uh, spectrum from Dish Network that was not being used with the help of the FCC. They kind of, you know, borrowed it, I would, I would say. And we were able to deploy that spectrum without visiting a cell site to do it. We deployed it remotely, and that added a lot of capacity to major cities in the country uh, to help with the you know, work from home or school from home uh, situation. So those projects were very exact, you know, exciting to me uh, because it's, I feel that they were, we, we did them to really support you know, everyone uh, in the country and uh, 
outside of the country to achieve their purposes of uh, you know uh, working from home or communicating. That was uh, mission critical to how we managed through uh, 2020 and 2021. And so, uh, again, thank you for bringing that full circle for us. We're just about at the end of our time. And so I want to ask you if people are interested in staying in touch, following you on social media and the like, is there any contact information or, or handles uh, that you would share that folks can uh, use if they want to stay in touch that way? Um. Well, I am not a big fan of uh, social media. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I am not. Uh, I am not on Facebook. Uh, I am not on. Uh, but I am. I am on Twitter, but through my church. Uh, but the only uh, social media platform I am really active in is uh, LinkedIn. And uh, okay. I mean, if, you know, uh, you you search me on LinkedIn, you will definitely find me Usang Ekpe. Um, uh, I, I am there, right? So uh, awesome. I believe that's the only thing the social media I do. <laughs> I don't do know that. Okay, mm -hmm. LinkedIn is a good LinkedIn is a good one. Yes. Uh, so as we as we uh, wrap up here, we want to give you the final word. So we started off by going up that elevator, you may recall, and now we're on our way back down. So would you leave us with? a message uh, around this whole idea of advancing communication uh, to encourage us as we are uh, participants uh, in this journey. How would you uh, share that last word? I would say that uh, we, uh, and I believe I, I mentioned it earlier on, uh, you know, we need to really build the next generation of uh, engineers that we go into this space and continually, you know, improve on what is already existing. Um, and I think uh, I was asked earlier on, what will I give, what type of advice will, will I give my younger self? Um, and that advice will be, you know, do not limit yourself, right? Uh, do not uh, limit your imagination. You know, we we need to encourage our kids to imagine wide, but at the same time, we need to guide them in that imagination. Because again, it is said that uh, freedom without uh, discipline will be a disaster. So we, even though we tell them, you know, imagine wide and encourage them to do that, we also need to be able to guide them. Uh, and once they, they we see an opportunity out there in any individual, we need to encourage them to encourage such an individual to develop that ability, uh, either in design or in uh, in uh, operations. I, I like operation personally because, like I said earlier on, with operation you do something different every time. Uh, we need to encourage kids uh, in that area. You can be, become a repair person. You know, you are always making sure that things work. You, uh, you, you could be the one that, you know, you know, comes up with the ideas of what needs to be done. You know, we need to encourage them as well. So wherever we see that opportunity, we need to, you know, groom it and let it grow. Thank you so much for sharing that. And, and the headline that I take away is think wide. I've never heard that, but I won't forget it. Uh, Mr. Sang Ekpe, thank you so much for joining us today on High Tech Sunday. It has been a pleasure. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. We're going to turn things back over to Brandon Newby to see us out. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of High Tech Sunday. Career Communications Group's High Tech Sunday looks at professional development and technology through the lens of spiritual philosophies. In a time when digital information is more critical than ever, this weekly program is produced by and for CCG's community of alumni and professionals in science, technology, engineering, and math fields. The community runs from national thought leaders to aspiring students, and this weekly series aims to bring a concentrated discussion around technological advancements and achievements based on universal moral principles. The one-hour podcast will be streamed every Sunday. 
The podcast can be accessed through the Bay of Facebook page, Women of Color Facebook page, and CCG YouTube page. In addition to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and Spotify. Please join us next time.